I do have a very uh, particular system of uh, keeping up to date. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be able to cope with it, to be honest, because it's just too much. Welcome to Sustainable Compliance, a podcast on everything privacy and information security compliance. Brought to you by Wired Relations. Hi, Lee. Hi, Jacob. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. How are things in Norway? Uh, it's uh, changing between very rainy and very snowy. So uh, we're struggling uh, through winter like the rest of uh, the folks out there. <laughs> it's been quite rainy in uh, Copenhagen as well. Now the sun is uh, now the sun is shining and um, that's just so great. <laughs> but <laughs> finally. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for joining me. Rie Alexander Valle, privacy consultant at No Ties Consulting and the co-host of one of my favorite GDPR podcasts. Grumpy GDPR. <laughs> Did I miss out anything there? No, I think that pretty much covers it. I think uh, I like to see myself as the grumpy DPO as well. So perhaps I have to <laughs> trademark that one day. Thank you for uh, for joining me uh, today. We'll be discussing two things, or we've been talking about discussing two things. The first one is how to stay up to date in this wild river of information we call privacy. And the other one is that we'll weigh in on an ever-present discussion, namely the one, should we be purist privacy pros or pragmatic privacy <laughs> pros? So when talking into a microphone, all those P's are not good. But firstly, I would like to um, to ask you a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in privacy? Yeah, so I've always been concerned about my own privacy and conscious about my own uh, privacy. But I think uh, the key thing in my personal background and history is uh, fairness. Mm -hmm. And this is what really resonates so hugely with me when it comes to the GDPR. It's not the legal text per se. It's not the, the legal industry or anything like that. It's the bigger vision and ambition behind the GDPR, which is really, really uh, fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think that fairness has been such a strong value for me personally throughout my entire life. And I've always been very conscious about uh, bullying, discrimination, injustice in any form. And I think it's so crucial that we as society speak up against uh, that practice. And we are also not only speak up, but the transparency as well is so important uh, mm. to me personally. And I've even felt it myself being in such a situation. So I think that also adds to my perspective on the GDPR. So uh, so it's something that I've been concerned about for sure. And and I, I just remember the other day that true shocker that I had in, I think it was 2012, when it was revealed that uh, Google were scanning all of your Gmail emails mm. to retarget advertising. And I really remember that uh, very well because I was a Gmail user. So I think that also set me on a path. Yeah. So, so fairness is such an interesting approach to it. There's a story uh, my mother tells about myself as a, as a kid 
watching a TV show in which uh, some kids are bullying another kid, me throwing my um, my meatballs at the TV. So I'm probably a fairness guy as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. Throw meatballs at the... Yeah, we were talking in our grumpy podcast the other day about throwing rotten eggs uh, at uh, various people, but maybe it should have been meatballs instead. Yeah. What is your sort of... Uh, role in the in the um in the gdpr ecosystem what is that you mm. that you consult on and and do yeah i am um, so i run my own business i uh, went full time uh, absolutely terrified uh, running my own business in november 2018 and uh, I do consulting, but a significant portion of my time goes to studying. Mm. Uh, and it's unpaid work. A huge part of my time is spent on volunteering as well and keeping up to date that we'll come back to. Yeah. But uh, I think it's just nothing in my life has struck a chord like the GDPR and privacy and data protection and that I'm so fortunate to be able to work in uh, in this with this every day and i have the luxury of uh, being able to cherry pick just a few customers that i work with that pretty much funds my business so that i get to spend all of this time on uh, studying and also I want to do much more teaching and educating going forward. I'm a guest lecturer at the BI Business School for the executive course for DPOs. And it's something that I, I really, really value and want to do more of going forward. Mm. And I'll put some links in the, in the show notes so that people can uh, check everything out. Thanks. <laughs> and this is the way that you know that you are uh, talking to another podcast host is when they sort of gently places the segues for uh, the next thing we're going to talk about. So you spend a lot of your time studying. And this, I think, is one of the issues that is often something I hear about people being sort of worried or stressed out about is keeping up to date because there is so much happening. If all of your working time is 100%, how much time do you spend keeping up to date oh gosh i've never <laughs> thought about that and if we say working time 100 percent, I, I got <laughs> anxious right away because i spend evenings weekends and uh, i try to not uh, spend the holidays on this yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it tends to become all-consuming especially mm. when for example the dpc and the edpb releases their uh, two three hundred page decisions um so if I had to guess how much of my time, that would be at least 50%. So, yes, half studying and half doing. Yes. <laughs> and also, I, I'd say that the studying part and the education part of my uh, business, so I do some pro bono mentoring as well, and the volunteering for uh, the GDPR hub. So I've summarized almost 70 decisions and each decision takes between one to three hours. So um, mm. you do the math on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I contribute a significant time as well on the volunteering uh, with anything related to privacy and data protection that is so close to my heart. Yeah. And I think it's, a, it's important that when people out there negotiate how their contracts and how they should work, that, that, that time is put aside to following what is actually happening don't you think 
Yeah, for sure. And I think that is uh, undervalued as well, that mm. perspective, because it is in the GDPR that we as DPOs, we must have the time and resources to be able to perform our tasks mm. uh, as is required. And you said it so well, Jacob, like it's a it's a wild river of information. Mm. You are bombarded every single day with new decisions, new cases, new court rulings uh, on, on a national level, yeah. on a European level. It's guidances, it's opinions, recommendations, not only from the EDPB, but uh, various supervisory authorities. Mm -hmm. So keeping up to date is a huge challenge. And I just have to say that DPOs are the superheroes of our (laughs) industry. I have so much respect for my fellow DPOs and they are underappreciated for sure. It it shouldn't be something you do in your in your spare time it should actually be part of the of the job keeping keeping up to date yes. i think yeah what what do you not stay up to date with when it comes to the gdpr when it comes to privacy broadly <laughs> mm. well privacy broadly i'd say that i don't uh necessarily dig through the details of uh, PIPL in China, Mm. although I try to keep up to date on regulatory changes on a global level, uh, not least because most of my clients have global operations, but there is a limit to the level of granularity that I can Mm. go into. So the GDPR, I'd say I pretty much cover it. Then Mm -hmm. you have all the other acts and the coming regulations on a European level, which are, oh my gosh, there are so much coming, (laughs) Jacob. (laughs) AI, cybersecurity, you name it. Uh, Hopefully even e-privacy regulation Mm. uh, after a while. And then I also try to stay uh, up to date on anything connected to the US since I have a few um, customers there. Yeah. And it's basically something I, it's, it's something I've been sort of discussing with myself um what should i stay up to date on and what should i where should i rely on other people like following you i don't myself stay up to date very much on the details of the law because what i talk about is more the leadership side and the management side but and then i rely on 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 people like yourself to um to to give me the input on linkedin and Twitter whenever whenever that happens so that I there are some things that mm-hmm. I tend not to I don't read those three four hundred yeah. pages <laughs> <laughs> I love it I I know I'm very strange but I absolutely love it I can yeah. take you know I can sit with a glass of wine and read through <laughs> with my highlighter or my uh, pencil on the mm. tablet and highlighting the decisions that yeah. I read because I find them so hugely interesting yeah. so of course when you have that kind of passion for that type of work uh, I'm I have to say it again I'm so fortunate that I can take the time because I know that I am one of very few that can dedicate this amount of time to keeping up to date. Mm -hmm. Law firms, consulting houses, they have huge in-house teams. They have uh, junior staff that do all the reading and digesting and the summarizing for the partners. Uh, So uh, I'm very lucky uh, in that sense. Yeah. How do you organize it? 
So uh, <laughs> I do have a very uh, particular system of uh, keeping up to date. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't be able to cope with it, to be honest, because it's just too much. Mm-hmm. So I have an RSS reader where I, which I've connected to a number of resources, and uh, it's uh, getting quite many. I think I have about upwards about 30 mm-hmm. sources that I monitor. So first, but the first phase is to scan uh, all of the snippets, yeah. the RSS snippets. So uh, I scan those and then I s- store them in that system that I'm, that I'm using for further details uh, later. And then mm. I, of course, as I am a huge spreadsheet fan, I have my own dedicated spreadsheet <laughs> for this. And I know that the people who know me, they will uh, probably uh, giggle of this because I uh, put everything into a spreadsheet. <laughs> so I keep track of that. I, treat, I keep track of uh, court of justice rulings and everything that mm. way. But I'd, I'd say that one of the most important things is to just schedule the time. So if I were to give others a recommendation on that, that would be to actually schedule and block out that time in your calendar to make sure that you keep up to date, be it at at least I'd say once a week, but one to three times a week that you sit down undisturbed and you read through at least the headlines. I think that's such good advice because it's something that many of us won't we won't schedule the time because we'll have the meetings in our calendar. Yeah. We might have some time to do some work, but do we actually schedule time for reading or is it something that we do when when the kids are asleep at home? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's so important that we, that we, that's the way I do it as well. I have a, I don't, I don't use Excel. I don't use spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be in real estate and, and finance. So I got an overload of spreadsheets. <laughs> um, so I just have a, I just have a notion page with a reading list uh, and, and yeah. marked unread or read. And then I, then I set aside time just as you do to, to read. I don't spend half my time doing this, but, but still maybe, 20, 25% of my time because you just need the kind of input that you get from reading into into things. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you do about um, one, of, one of the things that I, I that the sort of uh, does or is difficult uh, when it comes to GDPR is languages. What, what do you do there? Do you focus on... Norway and Denmark and and the UK or what what do you do there? I translate. Yes, I do. I have to admit, uh, I have been nagging DeepL for a year now to open up their services to Norway. I even tried emailing the uh, or messaging the CEO. Uh, so this is another call for help for DeepL to provide pro services to Norwegian people. Thank you. Uh, but I do translate. Uh, I use their free services and I use uh, various others. I use Vivaldi, for example. They have in-browser translation features. So, and then I validate if I have some interesting findings, for example, I validate that with uh, people from Mm. that country. And I have a pretty big network, uh, not least uh, through volunteering in uh, the GDPR hub. So I attend monthly meetings with uh, the volunteer team so I can uh, rely on them as well. But 
No, it, it's it's a constant pressure uh, on keeping up to date. And it's I think also for DPOs, it's a constant pressure yeah. of being an expert, yeah. which is really scary. And um, no doubt that people feel uh, overwhelmed. So another concrete recommendation I would give uh, to do, uh, my fellow DPOs is that focus on the basics. First mm-hmm. and foremost, focus on the basics. It's the very same advice that I give to my um customers as well and when you are you feel that you are really confident when it comes to the basics of the GDPR then you can specialize and I would absolutely recommend specializing yeah instead of being an expert on because there's no such thing as a GDPR expert let me just put that out there (laughs) right now you cannot be a an expert in privacy and data protection generally because it's too much. Uh, You cannot be an AI uh, expert or uh, a DSA expert, GDPR expert, and and all of that, e-privacy and not to mention that. So specializing in one or few areas, like you have the DPIA ninja, uh, Shwera Nas (laughs) from uh, the Netherlands, and she's doing amazing work with uh, her team and Floor and uh, and the other at privacy companies. So a little shout out to them as well. Mm. So picking something that you, where you, you where you have more passion, yeah, I think is uh, sensible as well. I think it's good advice. Specialize and then maybe, um, and maybe create connections to to others who specializes in something else. It's a it's an amazing. The GDPR community and the privacy community is, a, is an amazing community because people are really willing yeah. to to uh, to help. So if you if you specialize and have something to bring to the table, there will always be somebody else who can who can help. That's that's one of the things that I'm using quite a lot. I when when I was when I was younger, I was able to just consume information. When I went to law school, I used to um, read everything during july so that i was prepared <laughs> and it just stuck yeah. in my head now if i i have this feeling now i think i'm a little bit older than you are but i i feel a bit like a footballer now who's getting slower <laughs> um i just can't consume as much as i used to when it comes to information so i need new strategies and one of mine is speaking to people so, so having a more mm-hmm. relational um sort of approach to information um i also i when i it comes to my favorite sources i kind of rely a little bit on the wisdom of of crowds so i use very much uh linkedin Mm -hmm. and twitter because i think if it pops up there and it then it might be something i should look into what what are your favorite sources you talked about having 30 in your system yeah ish So I am very particular about the sources that I use and I Mm. always uh, speak a lot about this, relying on credible sources. For the information, absolutely, social media is great just to see, as you said, you know, things pop up and this might be interesting. And uh, that goes with following people on uh, social media as well. I don't say that you should necessarily be skeptical, Mm -hmm. but... um, not take everything on face value because I see that there is so much miscommunication around the GDPR still and the confusion between e-privacy and GDPR, yeah. uh, the marketing acts uh, and so forth. So just uh, making sure you can rely on, on social media and uh, people to follow, but um, check 
always <laughs> yeah. validate the sources, make yeah. sure that it's actually uh, correct. So um, critical thinking. Yeah, that is would still be um, something. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and make up your own mind. I mean. Mm. Don't just regurgitate what somebody else uh, tweeted or wrote on LinkedIn. Mm. Make up your own mind and and read the cases that are being discussed and make sure that you you yourself understand it before reposting or hashing it out in in your own format. Yeah, yeah. Actually, reading uh, through it and 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 maybe having more than than one source um, to um, to things. There's quite a lot of information out there that is not. 100% correct <laughs> and with yeah. uh, with people um, beginning to use um, artificial intelligence and yeah uh, to to just create stuff to populate their websites there might be even more that is not as reliable as it could be yeah and I think that's a good segue into our next part of the it discussion up, as well yeah. because it's I would recommend that people are conscious about who they follow Mm -hmm. and what advice they take on board. So following is one thing, but will you listen to that person? Will you take their advice? Will you implement that advice? Mm -hmm. Because uh, the purist versus the pragmatist on a very strict scale, Mm -hmm. uh, the world needs both of them. Yeah. For a hundred percent. And on a personal level, I am uh, more purist uh, than a pragmatist in the work that I do with my customers and what I recommend, especially small business owners to do. Yeah. And that is absolutely a great segue into to talking about, yeah, purist versus uh, pragmatist. I know you, you, did a, you did a LinkedIn live on that some time ago. You, you said you were leaning towards being a purist. How come? And I am absolutely sure that some of the purists out there will, uh, will be disagree that I would be a purist, the deeming from my LinkedIn post. But I think it's a really important distinction between what your own personal values versus the consulting work that you do. And of course, it cannot be separated 100%. Obviously, I have fired customers for not taking the work uh, seriously enough. And that is also a huge challenge for DPOs. First, we have to uh, decide whether or not to notify the authorities if there is a serious breach and the uh, and the management team uh, just want to, you know, put it in a drawer and forget about it. So yes. that is one huge personal conflict that I see with, uh, with my peers as well. And then second, you have to balance your own personal values against running that uh, business Mm. efficiently and effectively so uh, this is a really tricky balance for for everyone but i think that it's absolutely possible to be very conscious about your own privacy and personal data but not try to implement that wherever else you are maybe um you could put a few words on what you think a purist is in this context so uh and uh, this this was also a huge debate uh, when we did that linkedin uh, audio event as well so what is really a purist and uh, it was a discussion whether or not uh, are you uh, an extremist 
Is it uh, black and white? Is it yeah. if you're a purist, then uh, you uh, you are very extreme. And I don't think necessarily that you are, but I'd say in the sense, if you are a GDPR legal text purist, so to speak, then it's all about interpreting the law in the strictest possible sense. Mm. And even though we've had these rules for decades and there was not that much new with the uh, actual GDPR, then uh, still it's uh, new to many as we have seen. Uh, we've had, for example, the last Personal Data Act in Norway was from the year 2000. And the requirement for transparent information, all of that was applicable on the 1st of January 2001. But still, this was came as a shocker mm. to many. And in that sense, I think that the GDPR is fairly new. Yeah. So that the interpretation is still being explored and we are still waiting for cases to go back to the court of justice uh, to get clarity on uh, on a particular for example regarding uh, transfers in chapter 5 being a purist within a business or in a in a, in a business do you, do you, do you see a, a, a risk of becoming sort of uh, alienated to the business that you you're in Absolutely. And I think it is risky to employ or hire purists uh, mm. to help you with the GDPR work because uh, and just look at the, the requirements for a data protection officer. Yeah. So we are required to take a risk-based approach to the work and our recommendations. And it's not a matter of doing everything yesterday. This is a journey that unfortunately is never ending, but that is the, the, the entire thing about running a business. We have to do taxes. We have to do accounting. GDPR is just another element of running a business. Mm. It's not something that should live on its own. The GDPR is not the law of everything, and it's not the only concern that a business owner has. I've had the discussion with a lot of people and and i think we we all have some sort of value in our work and maybe it is also about finding the right place to be so if you are very concerned if you if you are a purist by heart maybe you shouldn't work in a very pragmatic company <laughs> and and vice versa for that matter um mm. because i i often talk to people who are extremely frustrated that uh, management doesn't buy into this my colleagues don't really care about this and and i think we can we can educate we can be role models but maybe to a certain extent you're talking about firing clients yourself sometimes maybe we should just realize that this is this is probably not a match made in heaven i want more with what i do and and, and this company is not taking this seriously mm. what do you think about that approach so i think that this is a real struggle for most or at least many dpos mm. many almost uh, yeah. everyone that i speak with has this challenge with the management and get traction in the organization or business yeah. and i think that uh I wouldn't settle with 
they just don't care. Mm -hmm. I would challenge all DPOs to really try to make this relevant to your type of business, your type of organization. Don't go in there throwing around articles and recitals and this and that. I have taken, for example, when I work with my customers, I take the definitions uh, in the GDPR and I make them specifically relevant to that business. I use the same language. I ask for their branding package, their uh, personal handbook or whatever it is to see what is the language that they are using in the organizations. How can you get people to really relate to what you're talking about? Mm. Don't call them data subjects. Oh my gosh, don't go around talking about the robot. People won't understand what the heck you're talking about. (laughs) So I am absolutely convinced that much more DPOs can get better traction with their management, with the board, with your colleagues, but you have to do it the right way. And Jacob, I'm sure we can do a whole podcast only on this topic. And this is something that I'm super passionate about because I know it works. I do it myself. I get the traction, uh, except for those couple of clients that I had to fire. (laughs) And I I, I totally, I totally agree with that approach. Um, Sort of my top advice when people ask about this is, spend the time getting to know what is the what what are what are the goals of this business what is the strategy what is the what is yes. the the commercial or business values of this of this business and then give it a thought how can how can i how can i massage privacy into this how can i yeah. make sure that private privacy and data protection is not it's not a separate goal but yeah. but but looks and feels as if it's part of the goal of the business and it 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 mm-hmm. i think it takes time to 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 do it and and but but it's it's the first thing i ask people to do in a new job is f- go figure out what is mm-hmm. what is this business really after <laughs> yeah. and how can i how can I be part of that so that otherwise we often become um, the, um, the, 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 the silo in which um, mm. you can go and get a no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and as you say, you, GDPR, you're not going to succeed if it lives on its own. So look at uh, existing processes, policies, procedures, internal control systems, whatever it is. Don't just try to add GDPR on top of the business, integrate it in whatever is there from before. Mm. And I have to want to mention just one thing before we wrap up, Jacob, yes. is that when it comes to the purest pragmatist, I can take my own company as an example. Mm. I would never recommend my approach to most of my clients because I have been, I wouldn't say extreme, but or since uh, July 2020, I have uh, gone down this, the extreme route. I have looked at all the options. I have spent such a significant portion of my time on privacy and security for my own company. And even in November, I gave a presentation to the Norwegian Data Protection Authority um, 
about my Schrems 2 journey for my own company. And I could actually document and show them. For example, I spent 83 hours in 2021. Mm. I spent 85 hours in 2022 for a one-woman show company that is not feasible mm. for uh, many other people. And I work in this space. I live and breathe this space every single day. And despite that, I struggle. Yeah. And... Uh, Usually the supervisory authorities, they are quite pragmatic and uh, most of them were just nodding their heads as I presented that work. So um, I think that gives just a good example of being uh, maybe more of a purist at heart, but uh, at the same time being able to help people because that's the whole intention with my business. I want to make privacy available for everyone. I want to make people manage this in practice. And if you go in there with a 100% compliance hat on, you're not going to succeed, not least because there is no such thing as 100% compliance. (laughs) So I I, I think... I, I I'll be I'll be doing doing the journalistic thing here and and saying that that uh, you just advised people to be pragmatic purists. Oh yes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Rie, for for uh, for for joining me. Um, for you out there, go if you haven't already, go find Grumpy. GDPR podcast in your podcast app. I'll link to it in the in the show notes, and I'll link to um, your LinkedIn profile as well, because there's often cool, some. I think I've called them small nuggets of knowledge, digest, <laughs> digest, digestible nuggets of of information on yeah. something that underneath is three four hundred pages of <laughs> stuff that you could could have read, or you could just. Uh, Go take the nuggets. Um, Thank you very much for, uh, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Jacob. You've been listening to Sustainable Compliance, a podcast by Wired Relations. We want to lead the discussion on data sustainability. If you want to join the conversation, go to wiredrelations.com forward slash data sustainability.